Brother Larry, that was beautiful. Thank you. Wonderful service. We've already had church with that communion service. Thank you for being here today. It's so good to have uh, our guests. So good to have you online that is watching with the stream. But thank you, no matter how or where you're here today, to hear the word of God, listen and worship the Lord as we praise him. I was... Uh, by the way, we want everyone to have an outline of the sermon. They're on the, both sides of the uh, sound booth and on the table. Please feel free to go back and get one. We want everyone to have an outline. I could not help but think this, uh, this week about our vision statement here at the church. And most of us probably, if I'd ask you what is our vision statement, you would say transforming lives through Christ transforming lives through Christ. I found out recently there is a uh, university in Rome, Georgia. It is uh, <clears throat> it's called Shorter. I never heard of it. <clears throat> Shorter University. That's their vision statement, transforming lives through Christ. And it's been ever since 1873 uh, that university has been there. And I, I I love this uh, vision statement because it, it states exactly what you and I and what this church sits here at 3518 Rose of Sharon Road for. It's to transform lives through Christ. Now, John Maxwell said people don't change until, first of all, they hurt bad enough they have to change. Hurt bad enough, they have to change. Or they uh, learn enough, they want to change. And thirdly, people do not change. In fact, a lot of people will never change. They got to hurt bad enough, they certainly got to learn enough that they want to change. And then number three, they receive enough that they're able to change. A lot of people that are bound by all types of sins and addictions, and they, they don't, don't change. But when you and I take the opportunity that we have to contact people, whether it's online, whether it's phone or whatever, or in person, to introduce them to Jesus Christ, that helps them to change. And we need to see a whole lot of people change. Amen? Maybe you're here today. You say, oh, boy, I've got, I have things in my life I sure would like to change. My wife looked at me in the bathroom a few years after we'd been married years ago. I was bound with anger, and I made her life miserable. Her home life was miserable. Maybe your home, maybe your lifestyle needs to be changed. And she looked at me and she said, because I'd always get angry and mistreat her, and then I would say, I'm sorry. She said, one day, I won't put up with this no longer. And I knew she meant business. She means what she says. So I made up my mind to change. And I've been through that over and over many times to you folks, how it helped me to change from my anger. Do I still get angry? Yes. Does it control me? No. There's a difference. And for a lot of people, anger jealousy, hate, bitterness, addiction, 
They need to change, but they're not going to change until they hurt bad enough to change. Until they learn enough, they want to change or they receive enough. And I, I think attached to that is receive the Holy Spirit, receive Jesus Christ because he works from the inside out and he helps us to change. If I'd ask you today, many of you would raise your hand and you said, I've changed. And you could describe ways in which you've changed your life through and by Jesus Christ. Transforming lives through Christ. The glory of the cross. The glory of the cross. Almost all men have something we're in to glory. Physical strength. Religion, money, family, talents, position, social status, fame, or even some glory in their knowledge. Paul, writing to the church at Galatia, said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, But God forbid that I should boast, King James says there, God forbid that I should glory, except what? In the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. In other words, my interest in this culture, in the things that the world has to offer me, and it should be for every believer, has been crucified on the cross and it no longer draws me into it to commit sin and disobedience. I've got to read it again. Galatians 6.14, For God forbid that I should boast or glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the word. Father, add your blessings to the reading of your word. Speak not only to our ears, but speak to our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it talks about vainglory. Vainglory. I, I, I'm reminded of many. In the, in the Bible, that they had something to glory in. I'll give you three examples, two from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. First of all, the son of David, Absalom. Uh, listen to what it says about Absalom. Now, if, if you want to know a little bit about, about Absalom, he'd be on the cover of GQ magazine, because listen to what it says about him. Now, in all Israel, there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. Wow. Woo. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him, had no teenage acne. Goes on to say about him. Listen to this guy. And when he cut the hair of his head, at the end of the year, he cut it because it was heavy on him. When he cut it, he waited. He thought so much of his hair until when he cut it at the end of the year, he waited. Oh, my God, look at this. Beautiful hair. It weighed two pounds, two pounds of hair. And he gloried in that. He gloried in that. 
But something happened to Absalom. He stood at the gate. Now, this is David, the king's son. And he would go to the people and say, I wish I was king. And if you got a problem, I could solve your problem. He rebelled against his dad. Treason took place. And he marshaled an army. And it's a long story, but he and his army was defeated by David and his army. Joab was the head of David's army. And the Bible said that Absalom was riding his mule. I didn't study that. I thought he would ride a stallion, but he was riding a mule. Absalom was riding a mule and he went under a tree and his hair got caught in the limbs of the tree. The mule went running on down the road and here's, here was Absalom hanging between heaven and earth. Hanging. Hanging by the very thing that he was the most proud of. Let me tell you something. If you allow pride to rule your life, it will hang you. It will destroy you. Joab comes along and sees him and cuts him to pieces. Awful, awful death. Someone else that was filled with pride, and most of us have heard of Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Uh, he was so filled with pride. He, uh, he was walking in his beautiful castle. And he said, look at me. Look at all of this Babylon that I have built. And he bragged and bragged and bragged about his glory, about his strength. The greatest man at that time in the world. And when he did that, God said, okay, I can bring you down. Listen, we never get too high that God can't make us cry, uncle. You let pride rule your life and God will tap you on the shoulder. I said, wait a minute, you're not God. You're not God. He lost his mind. Nebuchadnezzar did. They put him out of the castle, put him out of his kingdom. He went out into the field and the dew and dampness. He was, the Bible says, his hair was like eagle's feathers. His nails were like bird claws. And for seven years, he was isolated. Can you imagine? Every one of these that were full of pride, whether it's Absalom or Nebuchadnezzar or the next person I'm going to, they, they just went through awful things in their life. And here Nebuchadnezzar that walked with pride in his, in his kingdom is, is brought down to the lowness of an animal. And the Bible says he was eating grass like an animal. Hair like feathers. Claws like bird claws. It's amazing. But something happened to him. God was, God was gracious to Nebuchadnezzar. He gave him back his mind. He restored him back into the kingdom. And something happened so wonderfully to this man. In fact, 
I'd like for us to, to hear something. Brother Matt, would you do something for me? You have a good, strong voice. You have your Bible there. Would you read something for me? Would you read Daniel chapter 4? Verses 34 through 36. and Daniel chapter 4, verses 34 through 36. Now listen. When God, when God gets a hold of us, when God reveals himself to us and shows what kind of person we really are and, and, and opens our eyes, and that's what we need to pray for America today, that America's eyes need to be open. Washington's eyes need to be open. The leadership of America, their eyes need to be open. And then here's what happens to you. Listen at this man, now being that God has brought him humbly down. But at the end of those days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven, and my sanity returned to me. Then I praised the Most High God and honored and glorified him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, and he does what he wants with the army of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. There is no one who can hold back his hand or say to him, What have you done? Hmm. At that time my sanity returned to me, and my majesty and splendor returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and my nobles sought me out. I was reestablished over my kingdom. And even more greatness came to me. Amen. Thank you. Listen, when God sees us as we humble ourselves, he will reestablish us and make us what we need to be. He honored God. He honored Jehovah. Absalom, Nebuchadnezzar. There's a little couple of verses over in the book of Acts, chapter 12. Look at it. So on a set day, Herod. Now I want you to understand who this is. It's Herod Agrippa. It's the same Herod that had James killed and Peter put in prison. Arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration. Oration, I'm sorry, to them. And the people kept shouting. Now listen to what they said. The voice of a God, not a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. When we try to take God's glory, no matter who we are, preachers, laymen, Politicians, no matter. One day we will fall. One day pride will go take us down. But listen to what it says. And he was eaten by worms and died. Uh, he was eaten by worms and died. Josephus. The first century uh, historian describes his death. I won't go into it this morning on Sunday morning. I don't know if our stomachs could take it or not. You ought to read the history of what happened to Herod 
Agrippa because he took glory for that that belongs to God. Paul had a rich choice in which he could have glorified religion. Philippians 3, 4, and 6, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerned him the law, he says, I was a Pharisee. He kept the law. Notice what he says, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Oh, he could have bragged on that, but he didn't. He did not. Uh, he could have bragged on his religion. He could have bragged on his suffering. Look at, look at 2 Corinthians. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequently. In deaths often. Verse 24. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of water. Perils of robbers. Perils of my own countrymen in perils of the Gentiles, perils of the city, wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils among all false brethren. Then in verse 27, in weariness and toil, sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And then last verse, besides the other things. <laughs> besides the other things which come upon me daily. My deep concern for all the churches. Paul could have gloried in his suffering. Oh, I've suffered for the Lord. I live in this world and it's so against me. We could sit around and moan and groan and we could sit around and testify to the fact. Paul said, I didn't want to. I don't want to talk about any of those things. I'm going to leave those things. He could have gloried in his visions. In his visions, 2 Corinthians 12, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know, God knows, such a one was called up to the third heaven. He had visions. He has experiences. He had revelations. Paul said, I'm not going to glory in these things. Listen to what it says. But when he was converted in Philippians chapter 3, he says, whatever was gain, I now count for loss. What is he glorying in? Notice these things. Number five. Paul did not say he gloried in Christ. He did not say he gloried in the incarnation. He did not say he gloried in the life of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. He didn't even say he gloried in the return of Christ. He said he gloried in the cross of Christ. I love that. I love that. It's amazing to me how many churches, even evangelical churches, that are taking the cross 
out of the church because they are ashamed of it or because they don't want to offend someone. But Paul held it up high and said, I glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. He selected beyond all things the center of Christianity, and it is. Can you say amen? I thank God for the cross. Notice, if you will, what did Paul mean by the cross? The fact of the cross. Josh McDowell, if you read his book, it says, not a hoax, but the cross and the resurrection was a reality. It is history that these things took place. The doctrine of the cross. And I love this probably more than as much as anything in this on this paper, if you'll notice it with me. What is the doctrine of the cross? Atonement, sacrifice. This is a great one. Justification. I love that word. Justification. You and I, through the cross, through the blood of Jesus Christ, have been justified. Me? A sinner that should die and go to hell? I've been justified. You have been justified. Reconciliation. What what have we been reconciled? We've been reconciled back to have what? A relationship with Jesus Christ and the redemption. Not only the doctrine of the cross, but the cross of the doctrine. We preach Christ crucified. The Jews are offended and the Greeks say nonsense. I'm like Larry this morning said, I don't know why. I don't know. I, I don't understand all that. I don't understand why. But I do know this. I do know this. That Christ gave himself. And it's not nonsense. It's the foundation of my and your belief. If someone would check the heat or the cooling here and see if I'm hot. Maybe someone else is hot. I think that's the reason we get a little sleepy. Lights last week, now the heat this week. I'm going to keep you awake one way or the other. <laughs> Look at number four. Follow it with me. Let's not lose it. Let's, let's get this message, folks. Why did Paul glory in the cross? Listen at me. Listen at me. Why did Christ or Paul, glory in the cross. It was a vindication of divine justice. You see, nothing would satisfy a holy God for my and your sins and ungodliness. The only thing that would was the cross of Jesus Christ. It satisfied it. Amen? Amen. Did we turn on the air? Did it come on? Some of you know I take shots and I have hot flashes like a woman. <laughs> True story. My wife, my wife just solved my problem. I got too much pride to take off my coat. I'm preaching on pride and I go in and take my coat off. Look at number four again. A display of God's love. Please don't, please don't let this get us away from the sermon. A display of God's love. God showed his love toward us while we were yet sinners. What did Christ do? He died for us. Aren't you glad? 
Aren't you glad? A removal, and I love this one, a removal of all guilt. One of the worst things I have to deal with is the guilt of sin. You remember when you, before you were saved how heavy, how terrible it was, that weight of sin. But God, through the cross, Jesus Christ, he forgives us and removes that guilt. It is a door of hope, even to the vilest and the most sinful of people. Jesus Christ forgives and cleanses. It's a door of hope, even to the vilest of the vile. It is a source of power, and it changes us. For the message of the cross, Paul wrote, is foolish to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is a what? Power of God. And I know we receive power when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We receive power when we receive the Spirit. But understand, all of this comes from the cross of Jesus Christ. I thank God for the cross. Ending with this as they come to provide music, what was the effect on him? What was the effect on the Apostle Paul, the message and the doctrine of the cross. The cross is never without influence. Let me hear you say amen. The cross is never without influence. If you preach the cross, if you preach Jesus Christ, if you live the message, if you allow the gospel to be number one in your life, it will influence people around you. Maybe your lifestyle or maybe whatever you do, maybe whatever you have, Beautiful church and everything else. But the cross and the message of the gospel will change people's life. It works for life or it works for death. Paul said as he finished this, he said, for me, this old world has been crucified. I no longer allow the culture to influence my life. Why? Because it's crucified. I'm crucified to the world and the world is crucified to me. Oh, the cross of Jesus. Oh, the blood. The blood will never lose its power. Listen as they provide for us a song. Now worship the Lord and appreciate the price that Jesus Christ gave for us. <laughs> 